Hello everyone, Krista and Hannah here with a brief message before we start the episode. We are on the third season of Keys to Music Learning and we have loved every second. Talking about audiation-based piano instruction is a passion of ours, if you couldn't tell, and we thank you for listening and keeping us going. We recently launched the Keys to Music Learning community. Similar to Patreon, this is a way to support the podcast and access bonuses, such as opportunities to attend podcast recordings and monthly meetings so you can pick our brains with your questions, share your successes, and connect with other teachers. Become a silent partner for only $3 a month or, to access the bonuses, a friend of the podcast for $5 a month. Join today at musiclearningacademy.com slash keys to music learning community. The link will be in our show notes. Thank you all for listening and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Keys to Music Learning. I'm Christy Yadro of Music Learning Academy. And I'm Hannah Mayo of Mayo Piano. Join us as we discuss common goals and challenges in the piano studio and offer research-based ideas and solutions to guide every one of your students to reach their full musical potential with audiation. Welcome back, everyone. We took a long break over the summer, but we are excited to continue talking to and learning from members of our community with our community chats. And before we start, we want to take a moment to talk about Marilyn, who passed away just a few short weeks ago. For those who may not know, Marilyn wrote Music Moves for Piano. She was also a mentor and a friend to teachers around the world. Building a community was always really important to her, and she spent countless hours supporting teachers and bringing them together through international workshops, conferences, and Facebook groups. Marilyn loved so much to see us growing in our audiation and our teaching skills with each other. She got great joy and satisfaction out of seeing us thrive by working together within the community that she brought together. And we will keep honoring her with our work as we continue to connect with members of this community to learn from them and from their audiation journeys. And now we are excited to welcome the fabulous Sarah McCaffrey-Ritchie, member of the Music Learning Academy team, early childhood and music moves for piano teacher, and owner of Songs with Sarah, a wonderful music school in Minneapolis. Welcome, Thank Sarah. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. We're so excited to have you. Sarah's one of my favorite MLT people, I have to say. What? You're one of mine, too. Oh. <laughs> Um, I actually got to teach your daughter piano lessons over the summer, which was really fun. True story. She was awesome. She loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was so fun. Could you start by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, music background, all that good stuff? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, again, my name is Sarah McCaffrey Ritchie, um, and I am the owner director of Songs with Sarah Music School here in Minneapolis. And uh, talking about myself, you really opened a floodgate there. I'll try to narrow it down and not go too nuts. Um, but my musical background is actually in flute performance. I got my degree from Eastman in flute performance. And at the time, I really wanted to do music education as well. 
But I had a fabulous teacher, uh, Benita Boyd, and she sort of talked me out of doing teaching. Um, And, you know, there was like a minute where I looked back at that and I thought, bummer, I wish she hadn't done that. But I think my path would have been super different if she hadn't. So I got to learn from this amazing flute teacher. And um, obviously, I missed out on learning from Dick Gruno, who was at Eastman at the time as the music ed professor. But uh Again, I think my path kind of wound about and ended up landing me here where I am now. And it was, uh, I'm, I'm happy about it. Um, but falling into music education, oh my goodness, it's such a, it's such a long time ago. <laughs> I moved to New York City. I did the whole, like, I'm going to be a performer thing, you know, that like everyone else is doing. And um, I ended up doing that, but also having some really interesting gigs along the way, as in, like office jobs, receptionist, answering phones, getting suits, coffee. Uh, so at one point I was like, all right, I've done this. I'm going to go back to school and get my K through 12 certification. And that's kind of when it all started, because at that time I needed to make money while I was doing a year long program. And I bet a lot of um, our listeners or your listeners, I should say, it's not our listeners, your listeners. <laughs> I bet they've done similar programs and it's it's intense. You do not have time to work. So what I ended up doing was getting a gig as a music together teacher and music together. Music together has uh, a lot of ties with Gordon, even though it's not music learning theory. But it was my foot in the door, and I couldn't believe that I could sing songs in like Dorian and chant in seven eight with tiny little babies, and it was pretty awesome. And uh, I remember coming home to my like husband. He was like a brand like we were brand newlyweds, and we were like chanting in seven eight together, and he is a jazz guy. So he was like, this is really cool. And uh, so I'm I'm grateful for that experience. Um, at the same time, I think as I finished up teaching uh, my teaching certification and got a gig as an elementary um, music teacher, I started to really dive into Gordon. And somebody, uh, one of my friends from Eastman found out I was kind of getting into teaching and she was thrilled. And she sent me um, the Ways Children Learn Music by Eric Bluestein, And I read it cover to cover and just was like, this is how I wish I had learned music. So I started implementing music learning theory into my K through five classrooms. Um, I did LSAs. I did songs in all the tonalities. I moved with them. It was so incredibly fun. And I was not sure how fun teaching elementary music would be, but it was incredible. And not only that, I loved assessing my students by using patterns. And I think that music learning theory really helped me learn how to look at my students and listen to them and be able to like sequentially keep moving them forward. And when you have a classroom of 30 students, that is that is like not easy to do. But because of music learning theory, I found really simple ways to implement that. And um, I really liked that gig. And the only reason I moved away from doing that is because I moved away from New York City. I had Cleo, who Hannah, you know, had a summer of teaching with, which was great. Um, and she's now eight and a half. And my husband and I were just like, yes, New York City is not going to fly <laughs> for us with a kid. And uh, we moved to Minneapolis and I started my own program. And um, again, I kind of severed ties with music together and mostly because I wanted to be able to compose my own songs and use the songs that I wanted instead of basing it off of a collection of music. And that is how I got 
started with music play. I remember teaching two classes a week, and now my school runs something like 11 of them a week. And I have uh, two other music play teachers. So yeah, that's been, I mean, that's been an awesome experience. And that's like definitely the the rush through version of how I got to where I am now. (laughs) Um, And then uh, I started implementing music moves for piano as well. And that that came out of uh, a parent just asking me, <laughs> uh, being like, they had a four-year-old that had been with me for a couple of years, and they were like, what's next? And I was like, let me like poke around and see what's going on in Minneapolis and where I can send you. And I looked up uh, Music Learning Theory Piano, and Marilyn's website came up. And I couldn't believe that it existed, and it was so friendly to the music play structure and pretty simple for me to implement. And I just started offering a class or two. And now the school, I mean, the school has 300 students. And actually, we have more than that, including music play, the babies and the toddlers. So yeah, it's it's grown so, so, so much. Sarah, did you have piano lessons as a child or flute lessons or both? Um, I did. So I started out on piano and um, I hated it. (laughs) Um, I am like the classic story. And again, like so many listeners are going to be like, yeah, that was me too. Uh, I had the, the little old church lady that taught me, you know, and um, I don't, I think her name was Jan. I don't even remember her name, but um, I remember, uh, it wasn't that she was mean. Uh, she was strict, that is for sure. I mean, I went and sat at a piano for 30 minutes and plunked away. Um, reading music was super hard for me. And even though I have, you know, I have a degree in flute performance from like a pretty good school, obviously I have learned how to read music. But at the time, I just struggled so much and looking up and looking down. And then they were like, oh, there's that clef in this clef. And I must have been six years old and I really, really struggled. And so I quit. And the piano playing that I did in high school was mostly to like accompany my own songs. And so a lot of the piano work I did was kind of figuring it out for myself in a way. And of course I had some foundation and the flute, wa- uh, the flute just <sighs> worked for me. I don't know. I just put it up and made a sound right away and could play it really nicely. And it was only one line, but a lot of times I was not really reading that line so much as hearing it and then playing it back. So so not, not introducing notation to my students is just very refreshing because of how uh, difficult that was for me and still is, by the way. I, I still struggle with, um, I think I have trouble reading music on lines in spaces and I, I probably should wear glasses more. <laughs> so I think that might help. <laughs> But that's a fair point about uh, vision issues. And, um, you know, there's a there's a lot that goes into reading music that a lot of people take for granted, like tracking and the left to right and the up and down. And there there are some people who just don't have the biomechanics in their eyes to do that effectively. But it is nice that we have this method that accommodates those people, too. Yeah, definitely. I feel the same way. I even think about like my son. So um, I should probably say part of me that's really important. I shouldn't have left this out. (laughs) I do have an amazing husband who I love dearly and three awesome kids. I always say they are my um, most wonderful composition, the three of them. Um, But um, I do have twins and my, uh, my little boy who's six would always write his name backwards. I'm like, 
I I just think there's something about, like you said, going from left to right, that that is something that kids need to train themselves to do with a word. So to be like, here's the music staff and read it seems really intimidating. And there's so much more there than just a word at a time. There's oh, yeah. these measures that are chock full of information. Yeah. And rhythm. And where does it and, play on the piano? Yeah, yeah. there's so much. And, <laughs> there's so many layers. And, and the vision thing that you brought up is really, um, I, I think that's something we really need to think about with kids because a lot of children don't have um, their vision diagnosis for a while. And um, the piano is so friendly for vision impaired just because of how it's black and white and the contrasting colors and the twos and threes. And then to be like, oh, and now you also have to read this piece of music in front of you. It's just like, oh my gosh, this is really overwhelming. <laughs> you take something really friendly and make it a lot more unfriendly. Uh-huh. And a lot <laughs> less a lot creative. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. So you told us about how you discovered music learning theory and music moves for piano. What about your audiation journey? So you mentioned in music play that you were singing in Dorian, chanting in 7-8. Uh, were you comfortable with this right away or did you need to practice? Can you tell us about Definitely. that? Definitely. Um, I was very comfortable with it because I, I can hear um, something sung and sing it back pretty quickly. So that was really nice for me. I'm going to assume I have a higher tonal aptitude than rhythm aptitude. Um, but that that was great. But then if I had to sing patterns in those different modes that I needed to work on. Um, and that's something that, I mean, I every music learning theory teacher that I meet says they are a far better musician than they were before they started, as you say, their audiation journey. Um, and that like 100% is me. I, I could not tell you, you know, 10 years ago, like, oh, what, oh, this is a beautiful Dorian song. I, I would have been like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> this is nice. Um, I think, and, uh, full disclosure. And I wonder if any of my my uh, my rudimentary theory peeps at Eastman are ever going to listen to this, but I was put in the lowest theory class at Eastman with a lot of jazz people. And I thought that was so interesting because I'm like, wow, you guys are all really good. What are you doing in here? And it's just because they had learned mostly by ear training, I think. And so they couldn't, they maybe they, like, didn't answer some of the questions, right? I'm like, you guys should not be in this room. But um, I remember at Eastman for the first time hearing something in five and I had played things in five. I just never thought about it. I'm like, oh, I'm just playing this really pretty piece. And uh, to be like, oh, this is uneven and this moves like this and that song is in Mixolydian or, ooh, that sounds different. That's Locrian. That is all something I've developed in the last decade. And it's been super fun. Um, I think it was always in there. I just hadn't dug it out yet. But yeah, and and learning from the PDLCs uh, through Gimmel and obviously Music Learning Academy, all of all of that, all the people I've met, uh, it's I'm constantly being challenged, and I love that because I don't think music is something you ever just master. You've got to keep working on it forever. So forever and ever. <laughs> Like, why would you stop anyway, even if you did master it? Oh, you'd, you'd have to, I can, I can put some other music teachers in front of you and you could ask them that. I don't know. I'd love to hear their answer. But I want to come back to what you were talking about with music play. And, uh, you know, we're talking about how we're going to continue honoring Marilyn. And she was such a big proponent and a champion of the early childhood strand of, um, the Gordon Institute and of music learning theory. And a lot of, she took a lot of inspiration 
from music play when she developed keyboard games. And I think that's just, I wanted to mention it earlier and um, I just wanted to throw that out there that she was loving that early childhood. And you could tell because it's so baked into keyboard games and into activity time. And so if anybody hasn't looked at music play, I'm really trying to do a shout out to music play Mm -hmm. (laughs) for anybody who's listening, who hasn't um, explored those materials. They are amazing, especially if you are teaching young students. Absolutely. And I I will say, you know, when I met um, Marilyn, I had already had a lot of contact with her. She was awesome on Facebook and would answer every single question. And so I I feel like we already knew each other and I already knew she was a twin mom, which made me, you know, we, we kind of have like this little secret bond, all the twin moms out there. Shout out to all you twin moms. Um, but she met me at, in Wisconsin in 2018, I think, uh, 2017, 2017. I was sharing some of my nerves about jumping in on, on piano. I think I had done it for a year or two on my own. Um, and I just like, I'm not a virtuosic piano player and I feel like maybe I'm in the wrong spot because I was clearly sitting with a bunch of piano people and she stopped what she was doing and she was like, you absolutely should. And this is so important that music play teachers are kind of adding on with the music move so you can be with your students for even longer. And, uh, I, I think one of the coolest things about my gig is that I will have a baby start with me at zero and, when they're four, they come into my music moves classes and then they stay with me for book one and sometimes book two. And then they, if they want to keep going, they get passed to a teacher that uh, maybe is going to be able to help them uh, achieve a little bit more on the piano. But the fact that I, I have students that I have taught since birth who are now eight and nine years old, and it's incredible. It's also very, very hard for me to let them go when it's time to, <laughs> but I know it's best. <laughs> Oh man, Sarah, that is just really beautiful. Um, I have some students that I haven't started from birth, but they've been with me since like three or four years old and they're getting to the age where they're really starting to blossom. And like you, I can see the future with them and it's mm-hmm. just so exciting to have them, um, to get to watch them grow and develop like that. So we didn't really hear a whole lot about your music school. So we'd like to hear more about that maybe in a next episode. If you'll be back. I'd love to come back. If you get time. Please. (laughs) Thanks so much. We'll see you soon.